0: Welcome to The Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear the story of someone strong enough to bear it all. The Naked Podcaster is a representation of freeing yourself, giving you permission to be real in all your quirkiness, baggage, struggles to success, and tragedy to triumph. I'm so excited you're joining the journey. Your past doesn't define you, but it does lead you on a path to today. Let's get naked. Welcome to the Naked Podcaster. I'm Jen Taylor. I'm here with Natalie Id. Natalie, how are you? I'm fantastic. I'm so excited to talk with you today, Jen. I am too. This is my favorite thing to do ever in the world. So you have a website. It's easy because it's natalieid.net, and I will have that in the show notes. because Your last name's not pronounced like it's spelled in my mind. So tell me who you are and what you do. So I am a personal development coach to the aspiring
1: mompreneur. I help moms who are in a J-O-B, right? Somewhere where maybe they felt at home once. I'm a personal development coach for the aspiring mompreneur. I help moms who kind of feel unfulfilled in their J-O-B, right? Just overbroke. These, these positions that we may have fallen into but not necessarily pursued as a degree or as our passion originally and i i help them to find that passion again and realize that they can monetize it and actually like create their own business and either leave it as a side business or create it into you know make it into something bigger and from there they can essentially be the person, the woman they were meant to be, along with the mom they always foresaw themselves being, the wife, spouse, partner, whatever title they are, you know, that they see
0: themselves being. Which is amazing because a lot of us don't think we can do anything else. Like you just kind of get into this situation that's not bad, but maybe not what you want ideally. Exactly. Do you find that women are not sure of what to do and how to do it? 100%. Um, I, when,
1: when you bring up the term side hustle or you ask somebody about a business, automatically our minds, for many women, go to slimy MLM tactics, Right. And I'm not saying MLMs, network marketers, direct salespeople, they're not slimy, but there are a few bad eggs that have kind of ruined it for the whole bunch, right? There have been maybe some bad companies in the past or just bad salespeople in the past who have made it so that anytime anybody thinks of some kind of side business, they think that there's something like wrong or dirty or slimy behind it, or the person who has something on the side is trying to take advantage of somebody else for their betterment. And that's not necessarily the truth. Um, I'm going to say probably 99% of the time, that's not the truth in my experience. It's just people who want to up-level their lives, you know? And maybe they want to just have a vacation fund. Maybe they want to supplement their existing retirement accounts or, or you know, something like that. Um, maybe they want to get a jump start on saving for their kids' college and, you know, their kids are, are small and they have all the, you know, all the college savings accounts and things like that, but they do a side hustle so that they can just add more into it. So they don't have to struggle in 20 years when their kids are in college. Um, Most people think that there's just something bad about it if you're not working for somebody else. You know, if you're not in some type of institution, in some type of, if you don't go to a building somewhere and park yourself at a desk and, you know, complain all day long.
0: Right? Which is stressful and not fun and... And also for most moms, the stress issues predominantly in my research have been not enough money and not enough time. And those two things skip and hold hands and for maybe sure. not wanting to leave their kids at work while they go to work, you know, or so you're in, you're just in this constant hamster wheel. So let's go back. Tell me, cause I brought up your accent before we got on. Yes. Uh, I'm from New England. So tell me where you grew up and who you are and kind of what molded all of this. Sure. Sure. So I
1: am from the Chicago suburbs. Um, a lot of people, I I always clarify Chicago suburbs because there are people who are actually from the city who get very upset when us suburbanites say we're from Chicago and we're just using it as a point of reference because nobody knows where, you know, these individual little towns are. So (laughs) Um, but I've, I've lived in a few different, um, towns during my life. Um, and I've always been an Illinois girl. That's not to say I'll always be an Illinois girl, but I've always been an Illinois girl so far. I'm 40 years old. Um, I, I lived a relatively sheltered childhood. Um, and I don't, Looking back, I have no idea why. I don't know if it was just um, you know because we were. I always said we were middle middle class. We weren't lower middle class. We weren't upper middle class. We didn't have the finer things, but we weren't super struggling. You know, so we were middle middle class. So we took vacations it like one state away. Like we didn't do like road trips and go. You know, we didn't do like fly anywhere or go skiing or or do any of those kinds of things. We just went like up to Wisconsin or over to Michigan. Like those are the two places we always went. Um, so I'm definitely a Midwest girl and, um, a lot of people say I have an accent and obviously I don't hear it. Yeah. Um, but what's, <laughs> what's funny is I can, um, adapt to the accents of people I talk to. So I used to work customer service and we had a range of territory that included, the far north, so like Minnesota, North Dakota, all that, all the way down south, like Texas, Alabama, Arkansas, like, like, and, um, my coworkers used to always like take fun little jabs at me when I'd get off the phone and they'd be like, you were talking to somebody
0: from Fargo, weren't you? (laughs) How'd you know? (laughs) That's awesome. So I'm guessing because you have a business where you help moms carve out their own job or business and do it on their own, that at some point you were working corporate America.
1: I was. I was. Um, so I, I've had some type of office and or corporate job, um, depending on how you look at it, since I was 21. And I've always been that ideal worker bee employee, right? You give me the tasks, I get them done. I get them done sooner than you need them. And I get them done better than you expected.
0: And go to college. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you go to college and do all the stuff you were, you know, we're supposed to do these things, right? Right. And live in this box. So tell me, tell me how that went for you.
1: Right. Well, and here's where I struggled because I've always been a creative. I've always been artistic, like writing has been my thing since I think I was in the third grade. I like to draw and color and things like that, but writing was always my thing. And as I got older, um, through high school and stuff, I wanted to go to beauty school and be a hairdresser and a makeup artist because that was like a huge passion of mine for many, many years, even after high school. I ended up going to college instead, um, against my own will, (laughs) you know, family was like, no, you have to go. You're, you're the first one to ever go. You have to go. And I said, are you paying for it? And they said, no. And I said, then why do I have to go? Like, if you're not paying for it, then why do I have to go spend thousands of dollars that I don't want to spend? And having fit into the good student box in high school, I was lucky enough to get most of um, my freshman and sophomore year of college covered by scholarships and grants.
0: That's awesome. That's exceptional.
1: Yeah. And I, I went to local, um, local colleges, so I didn't dorm anywhere. I lived at home and I commuted. Um, but I think... My my freshman year, out of I think it was like thirteen or fourteen thousand dollars tuition, I only had to pay like twenty five hundred dollars out of pocket, including books. So, not bad.
0: Great, actually, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, and then my second year, I switched schools, um, and their tuition was a little bit lower, and I ended up paying like eighteen hundred dollars, including books, for you know for tuition. Um, and then junior year came around. And i I had almost everything covered except for five thousand dollars. My now ex-husband and I had just gotten married, and we got married just after my sophomore year in college. And um, with at, at nineteen years old, with a plus credit, about five five or six banks, I don't remember the number, basically gave me the middle finger for a five thousand dollars loan, telling me, I wasn't requesting enough and I was like wait a minute <laughs> so you're gonna sit there and tell me that if I was gonna ask for full tuition you'd give it to me but because I'm a good student and I bust my butt and I'm working 40 hours a week and going to school at, you know with all these credit hours that my um, advisor is telling me you got to slow down on your courses I, I only need five grand and you're gonna tell me no and they're like, yeah, 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 you're screwed. Okay. So off to the working world, Natalie went.
0: <laughs> well, right. clear, And that's crazy that they want you to borrow more money. So you're right. married at 19. Mm-hmm. And jump in and tell me a little bit about that situation. Well, we met while we worked together
1: in retail. And um, things, like, everything was really good. It was... Um, we were on the same page with everything as far as um, kids and like five-year plan and, and things like that. And um, we, we struggled like most newlyweds do, you know. Um, and we had a lot of ups and downs. But at the beginning, overall, it was pretty good, right? Um, very supportive of each other. Um, families were fine with everything eventually his family was great through the whole thing my family has some issues but they they have issues no matter what so <laughs> it is a no win in that situation um but we had we had our apartment and we um i started a my first office job um not too long after we got married and it was Admin work. So I was supposed to be doing like filing and answering the phones. And two weeks in, the owner's wife, who was the office manager, took a stack of paper that was no joke, at least a foot and a half tall, slammed it on my desk, and said, You figure this shit out. I'm out of here. And she took her assistant with her. And I went, "Oh, Oh, okay. And then he comes running in my office telling me, You can never effing call her for anything ever again. I was like, oh, okay, like I don't know how to do accounts payable or accounts receivable or payroll or tax stuff or order inventory or like I don't know how to do all this stuff. <laughs> so I figured it out. And I think that's what led me to be that, you know, that ideal employee, right? Was that I just, I was thrown into a situation and it's not like we couldn't work. Uh, you know, I, it's not like I couldn't work. We needed both of our incomes. And, um, I, I just
0: did it. And, well, and from there, you were like the perfect employee too, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I didn't complain about, I didn't complain. I was there for two years and I didn't start complaining about anything until probably a year in. Um, it, and it was legit. Like I was being treated poorly. He refused to hire warehouse help. So I was working the office and I was organizing the showroom and I had to go back and load trucks, like what? No, like hire somebody for eight bucks an hour. You know, this was 20 plus. This was, yeah, 20 years ago. So I was like, hire somebody for eight bucks an hour to drive that damn forklift on somebody's truck because I'm not doing it. Either that or you need to stay here. Like you need to stay here until all the trucks pick up. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. So, so I quit. Um, and then he came to my house and offered me a raise if I came back. Um, so I accepted. And then like three months later I quit again. And he came to my house and offered me a raise again. Um, And then the third time I quit, (laughs) I locked the door and I left a note and I said, "I'm courteous enough to lock your door. Please come to my like call me when you can come to my house and grab my grab my office key because I did lock up for you. Because if I was spiteful, I would have just left it all open. And he he was like, "Well, I'll give you this. I'm like, "No, I'm done. Like this is the third time I'm quitting. I'm done. Like I'm 21 years old at this point, I'm 21 years old. I'm having chest pains, which at the time I didn't know what it was, but now I know it was panic attacks. I'm like, I'm having chest pains and there's nobody in the office. Plus I was a smoker at the time. So of course what's a smoker do when they have chest pains, they smoke. Um, Cause that makes things better. But
0: <laughs> so you're 21 um, now and your health is going down and your stress levels going up. Right and you're trying to do like the corporate thing. So I know you said you're now ex-husband. Yes. So how long were you married and take us through the corporate life in that time that you kind of lived through, struggled through?
1: Yeah. So, um, I was, I was at that first job for like two years and then I moved on to a heating and cooling contractor, which was like my grandpa's ideal for everybody in the family. Cause my grandpa was a pipe fitter. He was a heating and cooling guy. And he told everybody, you got to get in somewhere with heating and cooling. Cause everybody's always going to need heat and everybody's always going to need air. And, um, I got in with this contractor and they were fantastic. And I leveled up there like nobody's business within my first three months, I had like a $15,000 raise based on my performance, which was like, you know, that's like unheard of anywhere. And it wasn't even like, um, a promotion raise. It was just like, Hey, you started out as a temp and we're hiring you on and you're doing so well that we're going to pay you this much more. And we're not telling the temp agency that that's what we were going to pay you. We're telling them this because, you know, all the logistics of that. So I stayed there for four years. And, again, it was perfect worker bee, taking on more work, getting it all done, helping out all the other departments. You know, I was the right hand for so many people because it was kind of like um, jack-of-all-trades situation, right? I knew just enough about every department to be useful for everybody at any given time. <laughs> and um, so four years there, and then I went to another heating and cooling company. They actually recruited me at my desk phone. So um, I don't know if any of your listeners know any, like, pipe fitters, service techs that, of that nature, um, but they gossip. They gossip worse than, like, 90-year-old ladies on Bunko night. Um, <laughs> <and, laughs> So I get this phone call at my desk one day and they're like, hey, this is so-and-so from this company. Have you heard of us? And I'm like, no. I'm like, what do you want? We hear that you're really unhappy there and we would love to schedule an interview because we also hear that you are a rock star when it comes to billing, admin, and dispatch. And I went, oh, okay. And they're like, how about, and it was like two days from, you know, two days from now, whatever day that was. And I was like, Okay. So I went to my boss's office, and I was like, "Hey, I gotta take I gotta take this day off. It's unexpected." And he's like, "Why?" And I'm like, "I I'll tell you later." And um, I did the interview, and I got a call when I was on my way back um, home from the interview, saying, "We're sending your offer letter out today." So I was at that company for two years, and um, it was a mutual departure as far as that goes um and again it was like a stress level thing um there was only four people including me in the office so they um there was a lot on me that should have been either another person added to the team or should have been split up better um and there was a lot of undue criticism i wasn't the i worked hard my attitude probably could have been better I know it could have been better, but that's when I started going through um, hard times with my now ex-husband, right? So while it didn't affect the quantity of work, um, and not really even the quality of work, it affected my attitude with people I worked with. Um, so that was a, a mutual agreement. We, me and the, and the boss one day, we were just like, like we're, we're both done with this, right?
0: i mean that's not a bad way i i had a job like that and it was a job i was really passionate about like would have retired stayed there forever super committed but when you hit you hit a certain point it was a very nice mutual decision to walk away so i get that and now you're having issues you're about eight years in your your relationship Yeah.
1: yeah i was about eight years in and um having you know Issues, not only financial, but just like communication issues and any kind of possible relationship issue you could have, we were having. Um, so, I, I I was actually working an MLM on the side at the time, too. So, him and I did agree that I would take like a month or so off um, just to kind of decompress, work on my MLM stuff just to keep a little bit of money coming in and look for something that was better suited for me. Well, it turned out that my MLM stuff when I really focused on it was bringing in just as much as my 9 to 5 job was. So I was like, okay, well we're going to stick this out for as long as we can until I can't stand like being around the house for for this long anymore. And um I ended up finding a customer service position in a place not too far from the house and Technically, it was, pay-wise, it was a demotion, but I didn't want the stress. I felt the, the minimization of the stress was more important than the paycheck at that point. And um, there was another place where I just, I worked hard. I'll, I will say forever and ever that the boss I had in that position um, she's actually still one of my very good friends. She's my across the street neighbor right now. Um, and she is one of the best bosses I've ever had because she acknowledged when I was working hard, she was open when I said I needed help. She didn't demean me like other bosses had. She, um, she challenged me because I was also one of those employees that, you know, a lot of people don't like because I'm like, give me more work. I and I and she's like, what do you mean, give you more work? I'm like, I'm done. Give me more work. She's like, what do you mean, you're done? I'm like, I, I'm done. Give me more. So that also set me up in that company to be the perfect worker bee, right? Um, they started tracking my metrics and comparing them to comparing everybody else's order entry, phone calls, quote, turnaround time, all that stuff. They started comparing it to mine, which was a little stressful. Um, and I was there for about a year when I walked up to my boss and I said, um, I need these two days off because this is when I'm leaving my husband. And she went, Oh, do we need to go in the other room and talk? Cause we had kind of like an open floor plan. And I was like, no, 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 cause I'm just going to, everybody's going to know, like, I'm just going to tell them because they're going to need to know why I'm not going to be a pleasant person for a little while. <laughs> like, um, it's, it's just out of courtesy to them. So it's fine. But I'm telling you, like, I can't have you not approve these days because I've already coordinated with family to
0: help me move out when he's not home. So, so the situation, go ahead. Yeah. You're. I, I'm sure you're going to jump into it. So, what had happened, relation, and you haven't had kids at all? At this point, no. Him and I oh. didn't have kids. We had two dogs
1: and a cat together.
0: Okay. So, no kids. A, a ten-year relationship. Mm-hmm. What happened in the relationship leading up to you needing to structure it that way? Because that's more extreme than leaving. It is. It is. Um,
1: it was um, a lot of mental and emotional abuse. Um, it was, so we went in thinking we were on the same page as far as kids and stuff went. And at first I wanted, when I was young and stupid, I wanted four kids. Um, but because my grandma had four kids and I wanted four kids like grandma had. And then I was like, no, I'm, and, and he would always say no three. And I said, I'm not having an, I'm not having an odd number. I want two or four. Cause I was an only child until I was 15. So I was like, only child stuff, that's like, no, like we can, like we can be responsible adults and give the child a sibling. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with being an only child, but that just wasn't what I wanted to, I didn't want to have. I wanted to have an even number, two or four. And he said, fine, two. And these conversations happened over the course of the 10 years. And um, after we were in a better place financially, I said, okay, how about now? And he was like, no, let's, you know, we're, we're in this apartment. Let's wait till we get a house. Okay. So like within a year we bought a house and I said, okay, how about now? And he said, um, I only want one. I said, I told you, I'm not doing an odd number of children. It's, it's two or four. Like I'm okay with two. Like I'm, I'm okay with two. And he, um, ended up eventually looking at me and saying, you're too fat to have kids. I'm embarrassed to be seen with you.
0: Oh, is that all? Like no big deal, by the way. Right. Right. So we would go to
1: lunch at his family's, um, at his grandparents' house and they were, um, his grandparents immigrated here from, um, the former Yugoslavia. And so they were very broken English and stuff. And, when his grandma or his mom would ask why there were no grandchildren yet, because he was the oldest of his siblings, um, I never knew what to say. And then when he'd said this to me, that's when, that's when the gloves came out. Um, and I said, I don't know, why don't you ask your a-hole son why he thinks I'm too fat to have kids? And I'd walk out. And um, they laid into him pretty good about that but they also didn't make me feel great about my weight. I had gained, in our first year of marriage, I had gained 90 pounds just because of the stress and eating like crap because we were young and we thought we can eat like crap. And, and, you know, there wasn't the knowledge back then that there is now about all this junk that's in our foods that, that screws us up. So um, I, I let that... I can't say I let it go. It was still there and it was still very hurtful, but, um, how I interacted with him definitely changed. There was minimal interaction. I started telling him, I'm not going to your families for any events. You go to your family, I'll go to mine. And if they ask, just say, we're really busy. And we had to, you know, we had to divide and conquer essentially. And, um, he started a new job. And one morning he was telling me about, the work Christmas party. And I was like, Oh, are we going? Because my job had a Christmas party and they invited spouses and the job before that invited spouses. And, um, he's like, no, but I'm going. And I was like, Oh, is it only employees? Cause I've heard of companies that do that too. Only employees. And he said again, no, you're too fat. I'm embarrassed to be seen with you. So I said, okay. And I did really good. I, um, Again, at the time, I was a smoker, so I died out my cigarette and I took a deep breath and I got in the car and I went to work and I drove as fast as, as humanly possible to work, which I don't recommend, um, especially when you're having like a panic attack and crying and black makeup all down your face um, on a highway. It's not a good idea. Um, and I got there, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, what's wrong?" Like they thought something physical happened, and I told them, and they were like, "All right, like he is not invited to any of our stuff anymore like Here's, like, you already have everybody's phone numbers. Please call us if you ever need anything, you know, weekends, after hours, whatever. Because now they had this feeling that there was something more that would happen. Um, it, it didn't get to that point, but not because it wasn't headed that way. Um, it didn't get to that point because I stopped it. Um, I, he raised his hand to me one time. And I stood up to him. Now, mind you, I was, I'm like 5'3, 5'4, 5'4 on a good day. We'll say 5'4. <laughs> you know, some chunky little 5'4 girl. And he was 6'2, two, 260 pounds. And he was raising his hand to me. And I stood up to him and I told him he needed to back the F down because I was either going to call the police or I would kill him. And, um, not that I, I, not, well, I don't know. I don't know what I would do in that situation, but those were the two options I gave him. So (laughs) like you back off and if you don't, this is what's going to happen. And, um, that's when I really started planning when I was going to leave. I started packing, um, packing boxes. He didn't even notice that I was packing stuff. Um, he started spending a lot of time out, um, with who I'm not sure. Uh, which also led to you know more disagreements, arguments, and animosity and all that. Um, I slowly started bringing stuff over to my mom 's house like I would pack up my car like jam pack it full of as many Avon boxes as I could, and I would like m- try and make two trips I've, two trips a night, like two or three times a week to clear out the house as much as I could um, so my mom 's basement was like packed with. Whatever, just clothes and and just stuff that was I wasn't using every day, right? And um, I sat down with him one weekend and I said I want a divorce, and he said, Well, I don't believe in divorce, and I said, Well, I don't believe in hating you for the rest of my life, so I want a divorce, and he said, I'm not going to let you leave, and that was when I was like, Okay, so I have to do this in a way where it's very, um, time constrained. (laughs) I'm going to have to do it when he's at work. It's not going to be like a weekend amicable, like you leave the house so I can move and and things like that. It's not going to be this way. I already knew that. And so I planned two days. My original two days were in February. Um, and we got snowed like blizzard hit us. So I had to cancel. Um, and then my, the next two days I planned were in April, cause normally in Chicago, April, you don't get a blizzard. You might get some snow, but you don't get a blizzard. So <laughs> um, I planned it so that um, I had a truck rented. I had my family on standby, like two blocks away. I'm like, you need to leave your house at this time to be at the post office parking lot. Here's the directions to the post office parking lot. And then you need to drive here, park in the street, and I'm going to go with Papa, my grandpa. I'm going to go with Papa. We're going to get the truck. You guys are going to load up my car and your car and my cousin's car when she gets here. And as soon as we get the truck, we're throwing everything in I, I, and, and we're leaving. And um, I left. I took basically only what I came in with. I didn't take any of the furniture. I didn't take the TV. I took, um, I took the table, the, heated, the kitchen table that he didn't like, that he didn't want me to buy and um just my clothes and all the animals because i didn't trust him with the animals and um i i moved out and had the truck back all in six hours and he came back from work and called me and said why what's going on and i said i asked for a divorce and this is what happens
0: when you tell me no i do it anyway Did you actually, were you able to get the divorce fairly easily paperwork wise after that? Um,
1: I, I ended up, he refused to get a lawyer and he actually refused to be served. So I ended up paying his part of everything through my lawyer and, um, I ended up serving him the papers instead of the sheriff. And, um, it was, I left in April and the week before
0: Thanksgiving, we were divorced so, I mean, depending on the state, that's not the end of the world, but right? yeah, but a pain in the ass nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. So you're on your own now and you're still doing the worker bee thing and you like your boss who you still like, which is good to know. Yes. Because regardless of the fact that that ended. So tell me now, I know you're married again. Mm-hmm. So how hard was it to date and what was different and, uh, Tell me about that, because I know it was
1: a lot different. Yeah, well, it was crazy, because, you know, I'd, I'd been married for just short of 10 years, so, I, like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I actually met my current husband two days after I left my ex-husband. So we've known each other for, like, 10 years now, but we've only been married for two and a half years, and we've only really been together for... Like seven and a half years, um, so it was rough because I was living with family, and my even after a lot of discussion, um, which in our house is yelling, um, <laughs> uh, I, I joke our my family is just very loud because we're Italian and we're all like we all have hearing problems, so like we just have to be loud, so there was a lot of yelling. Um, but not yelling at each other, just like yelling to get your point across type thing about like, never tell anybody that I came home because this is not my home. Like I only lived here for a year before I moved out. This is not my home. You can tell people I'm living here, but don't refer to this as my home because I don't like this area and I'm only here out of necessity. And, um, like I, like I set up all these ground rules and everybody agreed to them. And then everybody backed out of any kind of respect for me at all and they thought that because i was divorced i was going to live there for the rest of my life and i would never meet anybody else so i had to essentially at 28 years old i had to hide that i was dating people like 28 29 30 years old i had to hide that i was dating like ridiculous um and so my current husband and i we were just talking he had already had plans to move closer to his family which was further away Um, So we just stayed friends and chit-chatted here and there. And I really struggled with who I was after the divorce um, because I always wanted kids. And now, you know, I'm I'm almost 30 and I don't have kids. And is it too late for me to have kids because my family has a, a history of early menopause? And I know the doctors say that family history, when it comes to that, doesn't mean anything, but does it? And there's always a chance. And, you know, and when I say early menopause, I mean like 36 so like ridiculous. And so I was like, okay, I got to come to terms with the fact that I may never have kids and, um, and things like that. So it was a struggle. Um, and my boss and my coworkers put up with a lot for me. And, um, it was, I was at my job for five years when my current husband and I finally started dating four years Eh, somewhere in there, four or five. Um, when we finally started dating and he had been in a relationship and they had, they broke up while she was pregnant and, um, we were visiting his, he'd moved back out closer to where I was just because jobs were more plentiful out here than out there. Um, he was living, uh, like close to the Illinois, Iowa border. There's not a whole lot going on out there. I mean, there's a lot of corn and there's a lot of soybeans there's a couple of factories. Um, <laughs> there's not a whole lot going on out there. you really got to drive if you, if you want, like, decent employment most of the time. So um, we had his daughter for one day out of one weekend and to visit with his family and stuff like that. And um, one thing led to another with, uh, with her mom, and the police awarded emergency custody to him. So I essentially became a mom overnight. And, um, I was okay with that. I mean, I'd helped people raise their kids, no problem. So I was like, I, I know how to do it, like diapers and vomit and poop and all that stuff. It doesn't scare me. I know how to feed a baby. I know how to, you know, like, I know how to do all this stuff. I know, you know, doctor's appointments, like I know all this stuff. Cause I I've helped all these other people with theirs. So like, I'm good with it. And, um, we just kind of let things, like, we kind of let things just flow from there. Um, I got, um, let's see, our daughter, and, and I say our daughter because I've since adopted her. Um, I adopted oh. her when she was five years old, um, just so that nobody's confused. Um, it started out his daughter. I've always called her our daughter because he's always had primary custody. But it's it's officially our daughter for the last like two and a half years, um, awesome. so she was uh, just coming up on a year old when we found out I was pregnant with um, our son, and so then we were like, okay, my family didn't care for that at all, um, and that led to a whole other uh, a whole other podcast of stress. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, so we found a place. My, my aunt let us live in her, her condo temporarily, but two adults, a a baby, four dogs and a cat in a two bedroom condo is really tight. And the dogs didn't like the condo much because it was just too enclosed and there's all these noises they don't know and stuff like that. So we were able to find a house to rent. And, um, I had our son, uh, In March, we moved into the house middle of January and I had him at the beginning of March um, in 2013. And while I was pregnant with him, I'd gotten my first promotion. Um, So, and it was totally out of the customer service department. It was in the materials planning department. So I was doing like purchasing and um, inventory kind of stuff and scheduling, manufacturing, scheduling and things like that. And I was really happy with it. And, um, it was, it helped us take off some of the financial stress so that we can focus on like, okay, now what do we need to do? Like all this other stress is done. Like all this rush, rush, find a place to live kind of stuff. It's done now. So what do we want to do? What's best for us? Right. So, um, my husband found a job that was close to where I was working, so we were like, "Well, what makes sense is for us to get out, like, find a house to rent out by where we work, so that we're not both driving 22 miles one way, because, and that was when gas was like four dollars and something a gallon, so that was a lot of money that we were spending in just commute time, right? Um, so we moved into the house we're in now. We've been here for five years, and um, about a year little more than a year after I had that promotion, I got another promotion. Um, the situation was my boss who was of one of my counterparts in customer service had gotten her promotion before I had gotten mine. Um, and she ended up being my boss and her and her husband were struggling and she ended up, um, leaving and moving to where our corporate office was in Virginia. So we knew her position was going to be open. And so she was kind of like training me on it and saying like, I don't know that you're going to get this position, but you're the logical choice because you already know all this. And if they brought anybody from the outside in, they'd be really stupid. Um, And then me operating a hundred percent from ego said, if I have to train my boss, I quit. So they better give me the position. Um, (laughs) And one day, um, the facility manager called me into his office and he was like, Hey, sit down, close the door. And I'm like, Oh shit, what did I do? Am I in trouble again? And cause I always seem to get in trouble for doing the right thing for the customer. Cause it wasn't necessarily in the, you know, it wasn't within the box of what was okay to do, but it was still okay to do. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, you're not in trouble. I want to tell you something. And I went, what? And he goes, you get her job when she leaves. And I went, what? And he's like, yeah, he's like, we're not even putting it out to anybody. Like, we're not putting it out internally. We're not putting it out externally. He's like, me and executive management have already had these discussions, and you're getting that job when she leaves. So their HR is putting your offer letter together now. They'll email it to you. Um, If you have any questions about it, let me know. Sign it. Scan it back. And, um, yeah. And I was like, okay. So... (laughs) And, um, so I was in that position for a little more than four years, I think. Um, and it, and I, when I decided to leave, yeah, so cause I was relation- there sort of five years when I, when I left.
0: The relationship's better. Kids are okay. You're settling in, you're in a house, yeah. the job is going well. Like, uh, your, I mean, your story, other than the emotional abuse from your ex-husband and um, a super psych that you adopted, all that stuff. But, like, it's what a lot of women go through, right? You just get into the grind and you're doing what you You just do it. Right. There's not... You don't feel like there's a plan B. And no. at what point, because I really want to tie in, I know what you're doing now is helping women to find their passion and build their business and not have to feel the way you did. Right. So you hit that point. I did. I did. And um, I know you said you were ugly crying in my notes. You're yes.
1: At- oh my god. Like oh my god, so bad. Okay. So what had happened was the boss that had put me into this this fantastic position, he ended up leaving the company, and he um, the the leave was he put in his notice, but it was not anything nasty, right? It wasn't a nasty way. There was no scandal behind it. He was just like, no, my wife and I are choosing a different route for our lives. So we're like traveling and and doing this, that, and the other. Okay, fine. I, now that I'm smarter, um, and I really understand what that position entailed. I know he was getting sick from the job. The stress of the job was making him physically ill. Um, he had had cancer when he was in his early twenties and late teens or early twenties, and it had been successfully removed and it was starting to come back. And this was him taking care of him. And I, I so respect that. And I think once I realized what he really did, that was, that was why I chose to do what I chose to do. So what they did was they brought in somebody from outside the company to lead our facility. And for the company I worked for, for the industry we're in, you really to be the operations manager of a regional facility, you really need to know the inner workings of almost every position in the company. You need to know how customer service works. You need to know how accounting works. You need to know how planning and inventory and all that stuff works within the company because the company had it so niched to them that it wasn't necessarily the same way every other company in the world did it. Right. Um, So they brought in this woman who they told me was very nice and that I could learn a lot from. And I, I should have taken that, not as incentive, but as a warning. Um, sh- and she, she was very set in her ways. Um, she is a very educated woman, which I admire, but her social, emotional skills were very lacking. So when she would come to me or my team or any of my counterparts and talk to them, she was very just like shitty about everything. Like she was always offending everybody. She was always, you know, she, she was just always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. And she wouldn't listen to what we would have to say. Like, this is how we've done it. I don't care how you've done it. This is how you're doing it now because this is what worked at my last company. Okay. but. That's not going to work here. So then we'd go through the whole drudgery of doing it the way she wanted to do it and then let it get all effed up and then say, okay, can we do it our way now? Um, (laughs) And it just, everything just took like a million years longer. At one point she called me into her office and said, "Um, hey, so my boss wants me to train with you and I don't understand why he wants me to train with you. And I said, well, because a boss should know the job of their employee. Like I know my, I know how to do every." I know how to do every job everybody on my team knows how to do. So maybe you should know how to do my job in case like I'm out one day because there's stuff that I do that my team doesn't know how to do. They don't have authorization to do. And she's like, well, I guess so. And and then she started with, I know what it's like to be a working mom and not have family close by, and I want to make things easier on you than they were for me 30 years ago because it was just so hard being a working mom in a male-dominated industry, and I just want to make it easier on you. And I think... psychologically, subconsciously, 40 and slippy, I don't know what it was, but she like intentionally made shit harder on me to the point where people from other facilities were calling me going, why is she doing this to you? Why, why is she doing this to you? Why does she not let you just do your job? Because you know what you're doing and it's been working for this long. So, um, I ended up, um, before she started, I had lost 30 pounds and after she started, I gained that 30 pounds back and i put myself back on track and lost that 30 pounds again and then i gained that 30 pounds again and it was all stress related i was working 14 16 hours a day i was um i was just ridiculously stressed out i was coming home and i was raging at my kids just like My kids weren't even, like, my daughter was just in preschool. She wasn't even old enough to know anything yet. And I was, like, raging at her to pick up her, you know, GD backpack and why is it on the floor and why aren't your shoes in the right spot? And, like, she's four. Why am I yelling at her like this? And after some time of this, and I didn't like how it felt and I didn't like who I was turning into, um, I sat down with my husband and it was, it was Um, August of 2017 and my boss had been there for three years. Um, so it was literally three years of like ridiculous hell for me. Um, because I can't be micromanaged, like give me a task and let me do it, but don't tell me how to do it every seven minutes. Um, So I sat down on the couch with him after the kids went to bed and it it was, and I remember August, 2017, because I told him, I am giving myself one year to get out of this job. I'm going to create an exit plan. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I am not going back into a corporate thing. I need to, I can't work for anybody else anymore because everything I see from all these people I know in different corporate positions All these businesses are doing it the same way and it's not working. They're making their people sick. They're ignoring their customers. Like, this is not what I'm about. And I'm not about to continue to screw over the customer and the company at the same time. And I'm not about to sit back and see other people do it and not call attention to it. So that was August 2017. And he was very supportive. He's like, okay. He's like, "Let's, let's start figuring it out. And think it was September or October, I found a, um, I found a online course that kind of said, like, here's, here's how you start a business, and I was like, okay, let's check it out, like, I want to write, right, I've always been a writer, so I want to write, so I, to me, blogging was natural, and I was like, all right, so how can I do, how can I monetize blogging, like, how can I, how can I, and I already knew that I wanted my blog to help the working mom community. I wanted other working moms to know that shit sucks, but you can get through it. If you can acknowledge why it sucks. Like my husband and I have fantastic communication and we were able to make strategic decisions about when it was time for him to just, do kind of the, not the minimum, but perform at his job description, right, and for me to really put the big effort in at the office, and then have another discussion later that it was time for me to do my job description and for him to put in the big effort so that he can level up in his position, right? So we were able to have those pretty, um, pretty intense conversations um, about how we needed to handle our life as far as our jobs, our family, our relationship went. And he was very supportive in, in me um, figuring all this out. And ultimately this led me to, I left my job six months sooner. I left my job in April of 2018. And um, so it's been just over a year while when we're recording this. And I don't regret a day. Like people have asked me, like, would you ever want to go back? Or would you want to go back to corporate? And not at all. Not at all. Because I get to help moms who felt like how I felt. And I get to tell them that there's something else. Like there's a passion that you have that you can implement into your life that can help you through this shitty time you know, if I would have started blogging three years before I did, would I have continued it just as a side hustle? Maybe, but that's not my path. My path was to figure out in the last few months that blogging soothed me enough to be able to deal with the corporate BS. And, um, then it was, it was time for me to make my exit. And, um, November of 2018 was kind of the, as much as I had already made the decision, November 2018 was very much the nail in the coffin, so to speak. Um, I had, uh, I'd gotten a pretty nasty email from a salesperson and I corrected her. Um, And I revised this email four times and had three people look at it to make sure that I wasn't coming off as the bitch in the conversation. And because I'm, I can be very blunt. Like, no, that's not how you do it. This is how you do it. Please let me know when it's done. Thank you. Right. And and some people don't like that. A lot of people don't like that, but I don't care. Um, so I had literally four, rev- four or five revisions and like three people review it. And everybody was like, no, that sounds fine. That sounds fine. She went ahead and the salesperson went ahead and Um, replied back to me, copying my boss, her boss, and everybody in executive management who then – and then, you know, I replied with a very brief, like, hey, this is our process, and um, I see that executive management's copied, so if they want to talk to me about it, I'm happy to go through it with them. So that got somebody's panties in a wad. So I got talked to, like, the next day, and my boss was like, you can never – speak to that echelon of people ever again. And I'm like, echelon of people, where the hell are you? Like, who are you talking to echelon of people? Like, what? Huh? Like, I know what it means. But like, that's not how we talk here. Like, you you know, and I was like, okay, fine. So if I can't talk to this person, when I have a $60,000, $100,000 purchase order that he needs to approve, are you going to send that to him? And I knew what the answer was, because she was afraid of him. And she's like, oh, no, you can go ahead and send those. And I was like, okay. So then like a week later, her boss is in town for our Thanksgiving lunch. And, you know, just to save face and, you know, say hi to everybody. And like, you know, I'm present kind of situation. And um, he was like, hey, he's like, can we talk tomorrow? And I'm like, let's talk now. And he's like, no, I want to take you for coffee. And I was like, stop right there. Nobody in this company has ever taken anybody for coffee in the middle of the day without there being an ulterior motive. So what do you want from me? And him and I had previously had a good relationship. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, "Let's." why can't, are you embarrassed? I'm like, I'm not embarrassed about anything, but I know you have an ulterior motive. So why do you want to take me for coffee? We can sit in the conference room. We can sit in my office. We can sit in the other room and we can chat tomorrow. You don't have to take me for coffee. And he's like, okay. So the next day comes and um, we sit down and he pulls up his phone and he's like, so how's how's, how's your husband? How's the kids? How's the dog? And my dog had just passed away like a month before and, um, month and a half before. And I, I have him tattooed on my forearm and I looked at him. And I said, my husband's fine. My kids are fine. My dog's effing dead. Like I was like, <laughs> as mean. And I was like, what do you want? Why are we in here? And anybody else who would have talked to him like that would have gotten fired. I guarantee it. Um, but he's like, well, let me pull up this email. I said, no, she already talked to me about the email. Why are we talking about the email twice? I didn't do anything wrong. Okay. The salesperson lied. I caught her in a lie. I corrected her very professionally. It's not my fault. Somebody didn't like what I said. And he looked at me and he said, Natalie, it doesn't matter that you do things the right way. You cannot tell people when they're wrong. And I went, Oh, okay. And he said, If if you want the next promotion, which was gonna be my boss's job because she's she was only a few years away from retirement when they hired her on, he goes, if you want that next promotion, you're gonna keep your mouth shut, you're gonna keep your head down,
0: and you're gonna do your job. So that's the exact reason why you want to make sure you can work with other women who are in these same situations, getting spoken to that way.
1: Yeah. Whether it's by a woman boss, a male boss, it doesn't matter. Like I haven't felt, I didn't felt that feel that low and inferior since I was with my ex-husband. And I was like, this is not happening to me. I am not inferior to you. You do not speak to me that way. Like that type of, um, just that, talking to somebody that way is, I don't want anybody to ever feel that way. And that, I think it was around then when I decided that it was like, okay, blogging, like here's this course that I'm taking and I'm tossing around blogging. And I was like, yes, blogging has to be the way that I can get to other women who are having these same struggles, women who are busting their ass in their job and they're a top performer and they keep working and working and working and working and they're being talked down to, and they're being told they're not good enough. And they're being, they're, they keep getting um, just berated and berated and belittled and, and told that, that they're nothing. And that's BS because we can do so much. Like we have just, we have so much capability. We're moms. Like, like people don't understand how much we can do. Like when you can feed a baby and have a phone conversation and let the dogs out and, you know, do laundry and do all these, like, we're pretty much rock stars. And I, I just never want anybody to feel that way, which is why I want to empower moms to find that thing that fulfills them, whether they keep it as a hobby fine. But if they can monetize it, which they can, you can monetize anything and keep it as a side hustle. And eventually if they want to give the big middle finger to their job, they can. And that's my goal in life is to have as many women as possible, give the big middle finger to their job.
0: (laughs) So I would would like to end on what your advice to those moms would be that are at that crossroads. It's there's nothing wrong with having a job either. I, I always thought of my job as funding my passion and it allowed me to pay my bills while I could let that grow. And that's a beautiful thing. If you have that attitude, like this is, this is just a funding opportunity for your passion. So right. what advice would you, give, would you give them when they're in that crossroads of not knowing what to do or wanting to do something or they know what to do but not how? And let's, let's end on that so these moms want to reach out and not live this life.
1: Yeah, for sure. So when, when you're at that point, first of all, sister, you need to realize that you matter. All of this negative talk and you're not good enough BS that everybody's spewing at you, that's got nothing to do with you and it's got everything to do with them and their insecurities and their internal BS and you are a rock star at everything you do. We don't purposely fail at things, you know? I mean, and that's how, how they like to make it seem is that we're purposely letting down our boss or whatever and we're not. So first of all, I want you to know that you matter. I want you to know that there is something out there that fuels you. There, there's something. Maybe, maybe it's a hobby you dropped when you got pregnant or when the kids got a little bit older. Maybe it's something you dropped before even kids were in the picture. Maybe you dropped it after high school, right? Maybe you're very artistic and you dropped it so that you can fit into that box of college and corporate and, and family and big box stores and, and all that stuff that we all do, Right. But there's something that fuels you, and you need to spend some time on that. Even if you don't want to monetize it, you need to spend some time on that. Writing, drawing, coloring, working out, knitting, crocheting, dog grooming, makeup, I I don't care, nails, whatever it is. (laughs) Whatever makes you feel like you just kicked ass at something, that's what you need to do a little bit of every day. And when I say a little bit, it can be 10, 15 minutes. Because if you're at that spot where I was in the corporate world, 10 or 15 minutes is going to make a hundred percent difference in how you feel throughout your day.
0: Yay. Thank you, Natalie. I love that your story brought you to this place where your passion is helping other women find their passions. So yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate you.
1: I appreciate you having me, Jen. I was really looking forward to it. And
0: I was like, ooh, I get to talk to Jen Thank you for taking the time to get naked with us. If you'd like to bear it all with me, get in touch. Your story is unique and valuable. Let's show it off.